We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Gilcast here on the Roto Grinders Daily Fantasy Football Pod. I'm Sammy Reed. I am joined here by Nate Noling. You can find him on Twitter at Nate Noling. And Josh ADHD. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy ADHD. And myself, of course, at Sammy Reed FI. Boys, this was a tilt o whirl of a Sunday. I have been just, just bathing in tilt, cloaked in tilt all freaking day. Um, Nate, how was it for you, man? Exact same. I mean, it was just, it was a brutal day. I mean, what was, what was the number, if you could point to one thing, the the number one most tilting thing that happened to you? Um, probably Pirine. I think the Pirine tilt was probably the worst. I, when the, so, when the AB injury happened at that point, I just closed all my windows and couldn't, couldn't watch another. So what actually happened to P. Ryan? Because I got so tilted that I stopped, like, I closed all my stuff too. And I just started watching some of the games. And I just, like, started focusing on games that I liked because I was already just, like, drawing dead in fantasy. Why did P. Ryan suck so bad? How did this happen? I mean, I don't know. First of all, Washington had, like, zero plays in the first half. I mean, um, he just every, – every time they got the ball, it was a three and out. He averaged 2.6 yards per carry on the day. Um, he only saw two targets. I mean, it was, it was brutal. And it was one of those things where I thought my lineup still had hope. So it was like, I watched it with every last hope where by the afternoon games, I knew I was dead. So it was the tilt wasn't as bad, you know, I shoot like the Mike Davis thing should be tilt, but I knew I was dead. So I didn't even care. And, and Mike Davis was also a bad play. So you don't have to, like, think about, oh, you know, I should no. – like, you knew that was stupid. Like, was, was he really a bad play or is that just, like, a bad play in hindsight? Because no, he wasn't into the a bad game, No, I, I, th- think, th- I think you could make an argument that he was just fine for 4K. You could make an argument, but that would be a fish argument because Mike Davis, the thing about Mike Davis is he has a 0.0% chance of scoring a touchdown. And when you roster with that. When you roster players that have zero chance of, of scoring a touchdown, like, what are you even doing here? Why would you put this in a cash game lineup? Uh, but I did, and so did Nate. Um, Josh, how was the day for you, man? 
I I tilted quite a bit, but I ended up breaking even for the most part. So oh, you're I, you're the big you're the big winner. You are. Yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing. You don't get to tilt. You don't get to tilt today. Yeah. No, the really the only tilt I have is I made a couple of bad decisions um, pretty early in the day, and I got I got hooked on some plays that were really fishy and stupid, and I didn't back out of them like I have the past couple of weeks and do something smart. So really, that's my only tilt. But I can blame other things for it, but really, I just made bad decisions. It was bad process. Well, boys, I mean, we'll we'll get into all this. This is going to be a genuine go cast here because we really haven't lived up to the name. I think for the last two three weeks. You know, we've all been, for the most part, like doing really well in cash, putting up 150s, 180s. Everything's been great. We've been rolling in it. Bitcoin's up. Like everything's just rolling. And then week 15 comes and I just got buried, just absolutely buried. So let's get into this bad boy. Josh, what did you end up with in DraftKings cash? So I had, uh, I ran two lineups today. One lineup, the good lineup that actually got me paid out was 134 and a half. And the garbage lineup was around 115. I would murder a small family for 134 DraftKings points. You know, I would just, I would bury them out in the desert and take my 134 points and feel real good about it. Nate, I'm glad I didn't tell you about that earlier this evening and before you had a family event. Is that, <laughs> we, we might have a problem on our hands. Yeah, I, I would have been I, accomplice, Sammy. I would have been back for the podcast a whole lot earlier. <laughs> like We could have got this done. Um, Nate, you and I actually landed on the same lineup. And the, I think this is the first time this has ever happened. Obviously, you and I talk pretty continuously uh, also with Davis throughout the week. You know, we bounce ideas off each other, all this, but we've never ended up with the same lineup today. We did. And I mean, this it did was, not work out. This was a bad day for that to happen. How great would it be if, if it actually worked and we were dancing around, everything was good. And we were rejoicing. It just didn't work out like that. So the, the nice thing is we only have uh, really two lineups to go over. So let's start it off with you, Josh. What did you do? And, and let's talk about your good lineup uh, because we'll have enough fish things to talk about with our lineup, I think. So let's talk about your good one. What'd you do at quarterback? I went with Blake Bortles at quarterback today. I felt super good about him going to this game. And then once they announced Fournette was out, uh, he was kind of a lock button for me. So it, it, to me, it was easy. I mean, he was 5,700 today. I thought he had a like probably a 70% chance to go for 300. And like I said, once Fournette was announced that he was out, I just locked him in and went about my rat killing. Well, let's, let's, let's just pause right there because even though Davis is not on the podcast to defend himself, I don't think there's any defending himself on this. Davis's big take of the week when Fournette was announced out is that Chris Ivory was a lock. And I actually, right before the podcast started, I went on to Google and I Googled the biggest fish in the world, which a week ago was, was the whale shark. But today... It's the Maddox fish. It's Davis. It's, it's and I'm Davis thankful Maddox. for this because this is actually the only way I made any money this week. Is you bet him? <laughs> is because Davis would make fish bets with me. So Davis bet me on P Ryan versus Ivory, and even though <laughs> P. even Ryan though P Ryan had a terrible day, he still had 200 percent of his points. So <laughs> Davis put American dollars, both side betting and in real life cash games, on Chris Ivory. You guys should both donate that to a charity. Those are both bad bets. 
The ivory, oh, I mean, the ivory thing, maybe Fordette keeps, you know, maybe that'll work out once, but it just, it never seems to work out. Fully egregious. I mean, the this, Bortles this thing three times this year. Yeah, let's chat about the Bortles thing, because I, I know a lot of people were on him. There were a lot of sharp people on him this week. I looked at him briefly, but um, just got concerned from a, looking at the spread of the game, uh, looking at game flow, was just worried about passing attempts. And, you know, Blake Bortles with, you know, 29 passing attempts, I didn't think was going to be able to be, you know, a viable, you know, play. Did the passing attempt volume concern you at all, Josh, or no? Not really. I, you know, based on his last four games, I mean, he's throwing pretty much in the mid-30s every week uh, to the upper 30s as well. I thought that he would hit 35 attempts today just because even when they've had the lead the last month, they have been a passing team and we kind of talked about it last week, or I may have talked about it somewhere else, but in my opinion, Jacksonville is gearing up to have a very diversified offense going into the playoffs. And we saw that. I think we saw that loud and clear today between the usage for Keelan Cole and then this Mickens cat that caught two touchdowns on five targets that they're getting guys involved that we've never even heard of. Now, Keelan Cole, we've heard of because he's become part of the offense over the last few weeks. But Mickens, I mean, like, I hadn't heard of him today, and he's out here catching touchdowns. So, you know, to me, I think they're, they're gearing up for something, and I think they want defenses to have to worry about Bortles throwing the ball to a menagerie of wide receivers. Menagerie? And, um, Look at wow, you. Menagerie. Oh, snap. Where did you go to school, Josh? Uh, just um, down the street, so I, I feel a little behind the gas station. <laughs> this is unbelievable. The crazy thing about this game was, I mean, Marquise Lee was injured, you know, and so it was like you thought, okay, like obviously, you know, this is gonna—they're just gonna fall apart. Like, who are these guys? When you talk about Jacksonville, you think of you know Allen Robinson going down. You think of Marquise Lee going down. Like the fact that Blake Bortles was able to have his best game of the season you know, with the receivers that he had. I mean, that was impressive. Even though this Houston defense is, you know, just a joke. It's, it was still an impressive game from him. I'm not going to lie. So my most tilting part of this week, by far and away, was this game. Because I had D.D. Westbrook. I had like 70% D.D. Westbrook across my GPPs. He ruined otherwise really good. I had a decent amount of God Gurley um, in GPPs. And, I mean, to, to have those lineups ruined with D.D. Westbrook is just so incredibly tilting. But the best thing that happened also came from this game, and it was that Davis Maddock, I kid you not, had Cole, had Keelan Cole in his lineup, his cash game lineup, at 11 a.m. CST this morning. Nate and I roasted the F out of him, just roasted him like, dude, you're such a fish. You are a complete idiot. What are you doing? You can't play this guy in cash. Davis switched his lineup, and at one and he and he has Ivory. At one point, I text him this screenshot of the game uh, cast from my phone, and it's three plays in a row. It's Blake Bortles passes to Keelan Cole for a seventy-three yard gain. Chris Ivory from the one rushes for no gain, and then Tommy Bohannon rushes to the right for one yard touchdown. <laughs> It made my day. The only thing that made today better was was how how bad that was for Davis. But I mean, can we just talk about Ivory for a second? The dude had 17 rushing attempts and had two and a half yards per carry. How many how many touches did he get within the goal line? And he just 
I mean, he got stuffed at the one every time. Oh, was, yeah, he, he had to have been was, five from the one-yard line. It was glorious. <laughs> Tommy so Bohannon, good. two carries, two yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he, he had a Bettis game today, late-stage Bettis, where he just falls over for two touchdowns. This is unbelievable. It took him right away from Ivory. It was fantastic. Keelan Cole, seven for 186 and a touch. Uh, nine targets. Nine clipping targets. Jaden Mickens. Four for 61 and two tutties. Uh, Corey Grant got in the zone on the ground, and Tommy Bohannon got in twice. Yeah. And Chris Ivory was 17 for 42 without a target. Chris Ivory had three rushing attempts within the five-yard line that he could not convert. <laughs> this, three. Freaking, this freaking yeah. game. The un- this game was just a middle finger to Davis. It was oh pretty much God. all it was. So, I mean, this was such a jabroni fest. It's unbelievable that this game turned out how it, how it did. I mean, we haven't, we haven't even, like, gotten off of quarterback. <laughs> but we had to talk about this game. We really did. Yeah, so, it was nuts. Yeah, so, Nate, you and I went with uh, Cam Newton. Yep. And that was, that was uh, I think, the extent of the sharpness that happened in our lineups. I think that's yeah, I mean, I think – yeah, Cam was a pretty obvious play, I think. I mean, um, he worked out. I think, obviously, I wasn't expecting four touchdown passes from him, but, you know, I was expecting, you know, him to run a lot. He actually ran 14 times for over 58 – for 58 yards, which, you know, is huge for him. But uh, he ended up being the highest fantasy scorer in the week because of the – because of the rushing workload and uh, with the four touchdowns. So, you know, this Green Bay offense is – or this Green Bay defense is bad. And, uh, you know, Cam can can put up games like this. So, I think this was a pretty clear spot. He was, I think, the chalkiest quarterback in cash. Yeah, I mean, this, this game was really kind of fun because you had the return of Rodgers who played kind of uneven. You had Greg Olson, 12 targets, nine catches, 116 yards and a touch – and I had a decent amount of Olsen in GPPs. Like, that was another game thing. wasn't fun because I stacked Cam with Funches and tilted oh, that whole game. How bad – how – that might have been the most tilting moment. When Cam hit Funches in the end zone, Funches gets crunched. And in the shoulder, yeah. In, I mean, and he was done and – he, and he ended up coming back, but he just – what he ended – he ended with 2.9 fantasy points. Mm-hmm. 2.9. I thought he was, like, the best receiver play – as the as the week went on, I thought he was the best receiver play on the board. Yeah, for his price, I thought he was the best play. Unfreaking believable. Okay, so what what did you do at the running back position, Josh? Yeah, I went uh, I went back to the well with Alex Collins today. I thought he had really a super game script that was kind of written for him early on. Just going against Cleveland, I thought Baltimore would bounce back a little bit, and they did. But he didn't really do a whole lot with his touches today. He had a lot of targets too, which I thought was very encouraging. Uh, but again, he didn't, he didn't get in the box today. He just kind of middled, but you know, he hit two X value. He hit just over 10 points. So I can't complain too much about that. I it really, he hit his floor and that's okay. And then I had Mark Ingram at running back pretty early on the week. I had P Ryan in there and decided to get off of there and go to something I felt was a little bit safer. I thought New Orleans would probably have the best home game script this week outside of Jacksonville and maybe Minnesota. But the issue I had with Minnesota was that I thought that their scoring would be split up a lot more than New Orleans would be. So I, I paid up and I went ahead and got Ingram instead of Kamara. And, and it turned out that was the right choice in New, in New Orleans this week. But, you know, it's, that was probably just the right side of variance, to be honest. I wrote Ingram up as uh, a cash play, like one of my core cash plays. 
I really wanted to get up to Le'Veon Bell. I really did. And I was just like, hey, like my initial builds, I just couldn't afford him with a lineup I liked. And so I said, hey, I think Ingram's in a great spot, all this stuff. And then I ended up not playing Ingram. And uh, I played P. Ryan. Ingram smashed. And that was, that was the story of my day. That's basically what happened. Alex Collins, did he, did he get hurt at a point today? I wasn't watching that game. I'm not sure. I didn't get to watch any of that game myself, so I'm not sure I don't think he did. what happened to him. Okay. I don't think he did because he's still got the same amount of touches he's been getting. You know, uh, I think Javorius is still like a factor in that offense, so you're going to see that a little bit. And, you know, I think Collins was due for some touchdown regression, um, you know, which I think could be expected, but he definitely underperformed his expectation this week because, you know, he got the workload. He had 12, uh, 12 rushing attempts with uh, eight targets this week, and it just didn't work out. So I, I think it's probably appropriate to call Josh a fish right now, uh, even though he scored so many more points than we did. Uh, because no Kenyon Drake, Josh. No Kenyon Drake. What got you off of Drake? Because I yeah, thought I he was like Drake. What's that? Uh, yeah, I faded Drake. I, even after the news where they announced Damian Williams was out, I decided I was going to fade Drake today because I just did not like – I didn't like the prospective game script – for Miami going into Buffalo today. I thought they were going to get smoked. And they ended up getting smoked, and, but Drake still got his, you know. But I just, I just didn't like it. Something smelled bad to me, and maybe that was me, the fish, smelling bad. But <laughs> you're you're I, smelling I did, your own stinky fishiness. Yeah, I did. And so I, but I, did, um, I, I didn't tell you my third running back, so I, I flexed oh. running back this week because I, there was another game script I really liked, and that was Latavius Murray. And, you know, a lot of folks talked up Murray this week as a – as a prospective guy that could get two scores and then a lot of yardage and a very, very positive game for them against Cincinnati. That worked out. I mean, Murray put up 17-4. You know, McKinnon outscored him because McKinnon busted 100 yards receiving on a lot more target volume. But I'm, I'm not unhappy for 4,900 to get 17-4 out of Murray. But, you know, back to Drake, I just – the way I built my lineup this week, Drake didn't fit what I wanted to do uh, unless I substituted him in for Ingram. But I liked Ingram's upside so much more than Drake's that I decided to go that direction and, and then take the pain at wide receiver. So for me, Drake was, I think I started my lineups. I just went Newton and Drake and started kind of going from there. Uh, Nate, why don't you talk about a little bit about your kind of just analysis on Drake and, and why you thought he was a smash play? Yeah, I mean, for me, Drake was, I think, the lock of the week. I think he had the best workload projection for his price by far. Um, I think, you know, I like Ingram, but at the end of the day, like Kamara is a thing and does take workload from him where, um, you know, Drake ended up with, I think the highest um, expected points this week from all running backs. Um, no second to um, Kareem hunt. But I mean, this Drake thing, I mean, he ended up with, you know, 16 rushing attempts and 11 targets. And if his quarterback wasn't Jay Cutler who can't uh, apparently make a dump off, um, I mean, this this could have been a huge game for Drake. And I think 23 points was, you know, even below his expectation, like from his workload. And at his price tag, I thought Drake was just the lock of all locks on this slate. Um, I did too. I, and and the reason was is because the, the two games that Damian Williams has been out, he's getting 80% of the Dolphins carries, 17% target share. Those marks are higher than Todd Gurley, right? Yeah. That's elite, I mean, elite usage. So – I wasn't worried about the negative game script because they're going to throw the ball to him a bunch. And, and indeed, he got 11 targets after last week 
I don't know how many targets he got last week, but he was a huge factor in the passing game against New England, even though they yeah, were. This was, his, this was his third straight week with above 75% of his team's rushing attempts and above 15% of the team's targets, um, which only Lev has, has had three weeks that high. So, I mean, those two numbers just show you a diversified workload where he's getting the rushing attempts, he's getting the team's targets. And so, um, yeah, for me, Drake was a lock at his price tag. Um, so I think that's – I think that's probably the only thing we did smarter than, than Josh here because otherwise we played P Ryan and Mike Davis. And I mean, we've, we've gone over, I, I didn't think P Ryan was a bad play. I thought he was a good play. Yeah. I'm, I yeah, mean, I I'm, agree with that. I'm looking at the P Ryan thing and I like, I'm not gonna, I mean, that's the thing. I'm not like, I'm not going to take the L on any of these guys. I don't think P Ryan and Davis were bad plays. No, Davis, he, Davis was for sure a bad play, bro. I dude, at 4k. I don't think he was like, he actually is, with with the three week sample that we had, which you know, I mean, I know you love the small sample sizes, so I'm surprised you weren't all over Davis. Uh, <laughs> the sample that we had from Davis, like, it was, it was, it, it, there was no snow in snow. <laughs> all I saw was a little light rain. What's what's the boggle? That's a that's a fair point, Sammy. <laughs> like with the sa- with the three week sample that we had from Mike Davis, like I I don't know, it was hard for me to get off Davis at 4K. Oh, that's that's just so bad. That's just so bad. I mean, a little maturity, Nate. At least be like me, take the L and move forward because Davis is just its just so bad. <laughs> like, let, me, but let me throw this out there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now, and Seattle ran 47 plays today. What, in what world would we envision that Seattle runs 47 plays in the game in this kind of scenario where they're just getting absolutely drilled? And they can't do anything with Davis, where Davis is rendered pretty much useless in the offense. I, I think that's like a probably maybe a bottom 5% outcome for uh, that okay. game. Okay. I mean, you know, add 50% of plays. He got eight touches. Now add 50%. Well, that's off the thing. That. He got eight touches because, the, I mean, the, the game script is completely out of his favor. Well, and, so, and, I mean, and, but that's the thing. If the game script goes out of his favor, then he, he has nothing. He is nothing. But the, it was out of his favor last week, and he had enough touches to get almost 100 yards, right? Nah, he had now, like, granted, I thought he had 90-something last week. I, I could be I have to go I'll, look. I'll check right but, now. I got my phone up. Regardless, I mean, that the, the scenario I envisioned is even if they're losing, he's going to get enough work to – I mean, he's going to get more than eight touches that he got today. Yeah, I thought he'd see in the neighborhood of 15 to 20. Yeah, I thought it was a bottom 10% outcome for Davis. That's why I don't think it was, you know, at 4K, I think when you look at the comparable wide receivers that you were going to take, what are you going to take, curse? Like, I mean, there was – I don't think Davis was bad. Like, in a vacuum, a 4K play like that that you can project for 15 to 16 targets or 15 to 16 touches, like, I don't think that was bad. It didn't work out. I'm not going to say it was a bad play. It's so bad. It's just so bad. Let's talk about wide receivers. Josh, what would you do at wide receiver? I made a mess of it, just a complete mess of it. So after I paid up at running back, it left me pretty much hurting, especially after what I did at tight end. And I made the brilliant decision to go with Brandon Coleman once I saw Teddy Ginn was announced out. Oh, boy. Um, I played my chalk in Devin Funches, and I played my chalk in Dee Westbrook. And both of those guys fell on their face. But, yeah, okay. Two guys fell on their face. One didn't get any target volume. The other one got hurt. And one guy just playing – was in the wrong – it was just a dumb decision, really dumb. 
That's all I can say about it. I liked both Funchess and Didi. I thought they were both set up for success. We obviously saw a ton of success from the Jacksonville passing game. So I I don't think there was a big issue there. It just didn't go to Didi Westbrook. I I didn't watch any of this game, so I couldn't really tell you why. But that that game just screwed everybody. With Marquise Lee going out, I mean, I thought Didi at that point was like going to get all the all the volume. You know, yeah, he'd gotten like a twenty-seven percent target share. Since yeah, I don't think Didi was a bad play. I didn't play. Not him, at but all. I don't think he was a bad play. Not at all. Uh, Funches, yeah, I mean, obviously, I thought was a great play. Coleman, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's egregious. The obviously. one thing I'll say about Funches that, looking back on, I, I think I overvalue or I didn't value properly is the return of Greg Olson. We know that Greg Olson and Cam like have have like a great connection and I think I got so excited about Funch just looking at his target share not realizing that like fundamentally that was going to change with Olson being back, you know. So Olson Olson played 92% of snaps last week. So you took your one week sample and you went with it, you know. It's it happens. And I I just didn't yeah, I should have I should have <laughs> I should have toned down the Funch's target production quite a bit. <laughs> you know and here's here's another place where i goofed up is i had Devonte adams in that punches slot all morning long because uh, i had the money to do it and then i just like at the last second i'm like you know what if rogers comes in here and just just funnels everything toward jordy nelson just because that's his boy and it's been a long time then i'm gonna be left looking stupid because i went with adams instead of punches because punches is gonna eat that's the only thing i could think of all week was this game is set up for punches to destroy the Packers. And instead he got hurt. Me too. Me too. Yeah. It was, I, I think punches was a good play. Like I, I stand by it. Even if you want to dump down that, that target projection a little bit, he was getting Julio Jones type volume since Cohen Benjamin went out, you know, like exact Julio volume. And it's like, even if he gets a little bit below that for 6.6 against a just deplorable secondary, uh, it just didn't. It just didn't work. But I think that's fine process. Nate, yeah, he ended up with four targets and twelve point nine percent target share. Which <laughs> good uh, game, good game, yeah, good job. Not gonna, not gonna work for a six point five k. So this was the strength of our lineup, Nate. I thought that this was just as hot as could possibly be. Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, Devin Funches, what? Like that's yeah, just so I, hot. This is why today was so so frustrating is because at eleven forty five I felt so good. Like I, you know, watch when the good news came out, the same way that Josh pivoted over to Coleman, when the good news came out, I got I said, I need to get Thomas in my lineup. And I blew up my lineup and said, How do I figure this out? I just said I needed to get Michael Thomas because I thought Michael Thomas's target share was gonna be through the roof. You know, the uh, New Orleans had a team total of thirty one and a half, which was four points above any other uh, team on the slate and I just I felt really good about Michael Thomas and I and I thought having Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas were two of the best wide receiver plays on the day um Thomas and, all, almost went ham too he had a he had Thomas a almost day. had a 40 point explosion yeah he had a great day 24.3 DraftKings points and he had one touchdown where he was a couple inches short of the goal line they called it a touchdown but it was really plain to see just with your naked eye that he didn't get in. Yeah. The other one, they called a touchdown, but his foot was clearly on the end line. So he was really close to multiple scores and just didn't quite get there, but he still had a great game. It was a great play. Yeah. And he only got the 93 target. So, I mean, he was, he ended up with 24 points, which was obviously great, but um, you know, he was, he was 
very close to an explosion spot. So I felt yeah, great he could about have been at Thomas. 45 really easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I felt great about Michael Thomas. Um, and then Antonio, I mean, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. Obviously, as a Steelers fan, I was on cloud nine last week and football giveth and football taketh away. I mean, we talk about tilt and there's fantasy tilt and then there's the tilt you feel as a Steelers fan when you are controlling the New England Patriots without Antonio Brown, just putting hands on the Patriots and end up losing the game. Ben throwing that, that touchdown getting overturned. Jesse James, I knew they were going to overturn it, so tilting. And then I was like, okay, we'll, we'll still win or at least kick a field goal and go to overtime. And to throw a pick in that situation, to have Antonio Brown, his leg wrapped around the defender's leg. I mean, it was disgusting. If you saw that thing in slow motion, people are like, what happened? It's like, dude, slow that thing down. His leg wraps around somebody else's leg. It's like a car getting into an accident with a light pole. Um, and I just, I'm really hoping he comes back for, for postseason because the NFL without Antonio Brown is not the same. And there's just been too many injuries this year. I just, it's been a rough season. Yeah. The, the product really decreases in, in terms of quality when all the best players are out. Like what, what is this? It's just a bunch of league average players playing against each other. It sucks. Antonio Brown too is just, I mean, he's, there's nobody else like him. And so he just makes the game so much fun to watch and what he can do on the field. So even if he does come back, I hope he comes back, you know, calf stuff like that's always, yeah, you just overall crappy situation. Even if I didn't have him on my team this week, I would have tilted hard. It was I'm, just a, I'm still crazy. tilting, still tilting so hard. Like I, I just want to like destroy my computer, just but smash it on the let's wall. Let's move away from like the tilt of the injury. And let's just talk about it from a construction standpoint. You know, I think there was a lot of debate all week about Antonio versus Lev. And the reason I ended up going Antonio over Lev, even though I projected Le'Veon for more points in a vacuum, is just I felt much better about the 4K running backs than I did with the 4K wide receivers, you know. And so it was more of just an opportunity cost thing. And that was actually why I ended up on Antonio. And looking at cash games, um, you know, Lev was – significantly higher owned he was 10 to 15 percent higher owned i think in cash games which was surprising to me because i thought more people are going to go antonio but in almost every cash game i could find he was lev was higher owned. well and that's and that's why you and i ended up on the same lineup you know is that we saw things very similar nate that we could get drake p ryan and mike davis you know and get <laughs> you know and get 15 plus touches out of p ryan and davis and 20 plus out of drake and then run it back with Brown, Funchess, Thomas, just studs at receiver, Cam Newton, and everything was great. Of course, we had to get our 3K Ricky Seals-Jones in there at tight end. Oh, yeah. and I had to lock in those three points. You know, Gresson was out, so I'm like, oh, he's going to play 90% of the snaps. What are they going to do? Nope, Troy Nicholas is going to get more work. So this is why this was extraordinarily fish. And, Josh, I want to get your opinion on this, too. I had Gronk in my cash lineup all week. The first thing, when I was looking at the slate, I'm like, you know what? The first player, the best overall pass catcher on the entire board, receiver, tight end, doesn't matter, is Rob Gronkowski this week. And somehow I changed my lineup by the time the games happened. And I said, yo, you know, (laughs) Jermaine Gresham's out. Ricky Seals-Jones time. Like, it's lit. And it was not lit. Scale of 1 to 10. How fishy was this, my friend? 
Yeah, I think you you forgot that you needed to sprout some gills for this week so we could talk about something really stupid that we did. So bad. And my God, you went out and did something completely stupid, especially with Charles Clay sitting there at 3K this week that was just begging for you to play him. And I, I thought about Seals Jones this week too, especially once once we saw Gresham was out. And I, I had a lot of the same logic that you did. It's like, okay, he's he's played X amount of snaps, so now he's going to graduate to Y amount of snaps. And my other thought was, well, why hasn't he done that already? Why does it take an injury for him to supplant Gresham? Right. And that's what made me move off of him today, this morning, is I just, I, I don't want to call it epiphany, but, you know, I, I had that thought that, you know, if, if he was going to do it, he would have done it already because Gresham's 100 years old and Gresham, for all intents and purposes, kind of sucks. And if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. So I decided to go ahead and, and do what you should have done and roster Gronk. It's and, just so obvious. Like, what, what am I doing? Oh, fishy seals Jones. Especially with the Hogan news. Oh, man. Dude, it's so bad, Nate. Just it was, so bad. yeah. The Ricky Seals is the one thing I actually do feel really fish about. The rest of the lineup I actually don't feel bad about. I know you feel bad about the Davis thing. Yes, I'm not it's, bad. it's bad, and you should feel bad. So you did go with Gronk, Josh, because you're – You're just, smiling over here. Yeah, you're just not – Rolling as, in the dough. Oh, man, was, the listeners can't me. see it, but, Tom, uh, but Sammy and me are embarrassed about our lineups, embarrassed about our days, and Josh is just rolling in money. He's yeah, I am beaming about breaking even this week. To, uh, just to tell you the truth, considering the wide receivers that I rostered to break even is like – that's a celebration lap around the block right now. It's just the nuts. I was sweating Gronk, dude. I was sweating him hard into the fourth quarter because it was just like he had some. He had good reception numbers and he had decent yardage, but he had to he had to go ham on that last drive for sixty nine yards, nice, and really make his day worthwhile. And then he got the two point conversion late in the game to ice it. So it's um it's it's I don't want to say I lucked out, but I, I agree with you, Sammy. I thought that. He was the best receiving play on the board, the best matchup overall uh, of anybody else on the board this week. Bar none. Uh, what did you end up doing at defense, Josh? I went with the Saints. I had the Vikings in there all morning. I, what I was going to try, I just wanted to stack a, a running back in a defense that I felt really good about. I had the Vikings in a lot of the morning. They would have offered a little bit more savings over the Saints. But <clears throat> and this is one of the fish things I want to talk about that I ended up pushing the Saints, and in hindsight, I realized why that was a worse play than the Vikings at this point. Um, I, I think that the way the Jets run their offense, even with Petty at the helm, it's such a, it's a conducive offense to getting down the field and chipping away, they're, even when they're behind. And, they, and they've done a really good job, even against elite teams this year, kind of keeping it close. They're not getting blown out. So they're not getting into these heavily negative game scripts where – you know, it's just hospital ball after hospital ball that it, that's getting picked off by the defense. I mean, they're they're really kind of keeping things in front of them for the most part. So if I would have thought about that ahead of time and realized that maybe the Jets weren't such a an easy target for a defense on the road as we probably thought they were at the end, at the beginning of the week, then I might have just locked in Vikings and gone Vikings because we talked about this last week. The Bengals are dead. They are DOA. And then they were going to go into Minneapolis this week and face a Vikings team that's fresh off a defeat. They're pissed off or whatever. And I just thought that they would absolutely destroy Cincinnati. And I probably should have stuck to my guns and gone defense with Minnesota instead of trying to get cute and pay up for the Saints. Nate, that brings yeah. me to a, to a little tangent and that I wanted to ask you about before we get into DST. 
Um, but finish, finish your thought. You were about to say something. Um, I was going to say one of the fish things that I'm glad I did not do this week, which at 9 a.m. this morning I actually had, was I had A.J. Green in my cash lineup. That's, that's, uh, what, I was, that's what I was going to talk about. I, wow. I was sitting there, and I just was looking at the volume, the air yard share that he had had, and I just said, 6.5, this is too cheap. This is too cheap. And all year I had played – you know, volume and opportunity over matchup. And I felt, you know, why would I change my strategy after 14 weeks? But the more I dove into it, the more I realized that from a macro perspective, this just set up so bad for this Bengals team. Like this was not from a micro standpoint, like AJ Green versus, you know, Xavier Rhodes, but more just from a macro level of this team is falling apart. And, you know, it actually took me off of AJ and that's what ended up getting me on Michael Thomas. But so as of 9am, I had AJ. So here's the reason I want to talk about that is this. So you have AJ green and he's in a fairly tough matchup against Xavier Rhodes, like you talked about, but he's basically a top three volume guy from the receiver position, air yards and, and, and market share was, Uh, was, yeah, was before today, before going two for 30 on four targets, Nate, we had DeAndre Hopkins in – obviously, forget about price because Hopkins was too expensive for this. But we have DeAndre Hopkins against Jacksonville, right? Fairly mm-hmm. same spot. DeAndre Hopkins got 13 targets, and he goes four for 80 and one. He gets there yet again, right? What, what's the difference between Hopkins and A.J. Green in this matchup? I know Green uh, Hopkins' volume is higher than Green's. But his individual matchup, Ramsey's better than Xavier Rhodes. Why I mean, it was, was a twelve? It was a twelve hundred dollar difference. Yeah, you know, so that was the that was the one thing. It's just but that's like the thing. Game. If if Hopkins was sixty five hundred, would you have played? I would have him? Had him. Yeah, I would have had Hopkins one hundred percent at sixty. So so why not play AJ Green at that price? What's the difference? It was just the macro level of the team falling apart in me, and that was that was it. You know, and I think looking back, like. I mean, here's the thing. AJ still, even after this game, is still third in volume on the year from a receiver standpoint. He's third in weighted opportunity rating. He is, um, you know, he's got a 29.6% target share, 44.83% of his team's air yards, which is actually more percent of his team's air yards than DeAndre Hopkins or Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, AJ's still like, I mean, he's a volume monster. I just, I mean, I think Cincinnati at this point was, after getting blown out by the Bears going into Minnesota, I just I, – I saw this shaping up very bad, and it was as bad as I saw it shape up. So this was a unique situation. It wasn't just like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins is a bad quarterback, like because that doesn't take me off that. Well, we know that from earlier in the season. You know, it was a macro thing. It wasn't a micro thing that took me off of him. Fair enough. We ended up going with the Redskins uh, at DST. I thought they were just the best cash play all week. 2,800 on DraftKings at home against Blaine Gabbert, who just takes sacks like Davis Maddock puts in bad plays in cash. And, I mean, they scored 10 points, which was great for 2.8, but I feel like they should add more. They had five sacks and two turnovers and didn't allow a touchdown. Well, they were one yard. He was – because it was all the field goals. Literally, they were just marched down the field. I think – what's his name? had five field goals, four or five field goals. I mean, it was brutal. And then the the frustrating thing was in the first drive of the game, they they recovered a fumble and they were oh. one yard away from t- a TD. And, and then, then and I then thought P. Ryan, thought P. Ryan was going to get it, and P. Ryan didn't get it. It went to Crowder. 
the whole day would have been so different. Oh, <laughs> it's so like you, you play the Redskins and Pirine stack for this moment. And for it just- that moment, the play shaped up. It was 12.05. I'm like, this day is going exactly how I planned. Those six points would have made all the difference, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, game script, everything, it, butterfly effect, it all would have been different. It all would have been different. We'd, all be would have been different. We'd be human beings instead of fish, but instead, here we are. Breathing in water. Unbelievable. Yeah, we, we, got, we got another week to evolve again. Yeah, we really do. A couple, couple more weeks. I mean, I, I like week 17 because there's so much, like, chaos, um, you know, sorting through that chaos. So I'm, I, I'm sure I'll go heavy in week 17, you know. This was a lot like a week 17 this week, in my opinion. I mean, we had some really messed up, messed up plays, and we had some guys that were going off that you would never dream of going off in the first 12 weeks of the season. What, so you really- didn't project Keenan Cole, Marquise Goodwin, Jadon Mickens, Randall Cobb and Tavares King to be in the top 10 wide receivers this week? Tavares yeah, I w- wasn't quite there. Keelan Cole's the only guy I had slotted in there, to be honest. But the rest of the guys, I didn't, I didn't have them there. I mean, this, this whole week is just – I want to erase it. It's bizarro week. Unfortunately, I checked my DraftKings account and I couldn't erase it. The, the, yeah, your, your DraftKings they account erased got erased. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, this, this is probably, I mean, this is week 15. This is probably the fifth bizarro week we've had this year. Like, it's not a once, a, a once in a while kind of thing. I mean, it's happening all the time. Uh, let's, let's just talk about a couple things that we learned. And, you know, I, I guess I'll start off. I, I think that, Philadelphia was was really interesting. They've kind of proven, and I know the Giants' defense is weak sauce, so I don't want to like super overrate this, but I think they showed that that team is a machine and they have a great system. And Foles is not super incompetent, but you saw them really run basically the same offense that they'd been running with with uh, um, Carson Wentz and. You know, they, they spread it around a lot. Nine targets for Aguilar, nine for Ertz, ten for Jeffrey. You know, then three and two to a bunch of guys. We saw that, you know, the four touchdowns on 237 yards. We saw the over, you know, the, the just overstretch on the touchdown projection continue in this game. And, I mean, they're, they're just good. They're just good. They're really well coached, and their scheme is fantastic. And we'll see what happens when they run into a really good defense. But they're playing Oakland next week, and they're at home. And I think we can kind of probably say that that's a really good spot for Philly next week regardless. It's, it's probably going to be Foles and Cash next week, even though I imagine he'll be about 6,300. But, I mean, he, he might be worth a look at that price, they, to consider the other guys that will be around him. So sorry. Okay. So so Nate, uh, what was a what was a takeaway for you this week? I mean, it, it wasn't like a huge takeaway, but I think just like reviewing all the box scores and like looking at you know top performers and stuff, I'm just continuing to remind, continued to be reminded of like how valuable running backs who get diversified workload is. You know, if you look at the top ten running backs, it's Gurley, Hunt, Ingram, Bell, Gordon, McCaffrey, McCa- uh, McCoy, McKinnon, Drake, and Kamara, and each one of them had you know, above uh, 13% of a team's target share and above um, 50% of the team's rushing attempts. And it's just like, this is um, other than McKinnon. Uh, But, you know, I mean, bet on diversified volume. I just see it time and time again. And then I fall into a trap where I tried to go with some cheap running backs this week and it, and it bit me, you know, Um, it bit me. I think Gurley should have been somebody who we were looking at 
much more, you know, and I, I mean, it wasn't just the touchdowns. It was, it was everything, you know, he's getting 21 rushing attempts. He's getting three targets. He's, you know, and well, then the, the injuries on Seattle were really piling up. Bobby Wagner yeah. was questionable for this game. He ended up playing KJ Wright was out. Obviously they have, you know, those two members, Thomas and uh, Sherman of Legion of boom, they're out. This is not the same defense. But yeah. We- I mean, if you just, if you just look through the top 10 running back, you know, um, scores every week. And then you look at the top 10 wide receiver scores, the running back guys, every time you look at it and you go, Oh, I should have seen that. I should have seen that Where the wide receiver. You look at it and go, Oh, I wouldn't see that coming. I wouldn't see that coming. You know? And it's just like, we know these guys just pay up for them. Don't be a fish and pay up for these guys. Yeah. That, this is, this is probably the most tilting thing about this week. I don't mean to like sound like a, like a crybaby here and, or, or like Ben Pritchett and talk about my mythical dollars, but I felt like I had like some really, Sharp takes, you know, the Ingram and the have to have Gronkowski. And I had all this girly in GPPs because of this. And yet I still lost a bunch of money. And it's like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? What, why am I such a fish? I don't get it. Un- unbelievable. Uh, Josh, what about you, man? What was the takeaway for you here? Yeah, I think for me, the takeaway right now is that Marquise Goodwin is, is real and Carlos Hyde is dead for all intents and purposes. I mean, they, they had a good game script today really for the most part with San Francisco and they kept chucking the ball and, and well, throwing that's through the you got Jimmy G for, for 380. Oh yeah. I mean, they got to get their money's worth out of that guy before they have to pay him this spring, but it's, um, the G stands for goat. Yes, it, it did today for sure. For sure. Actually the G stands for Gould for the most part. <laughs> so good. So good. Solid gold, solid gold. 24 yeah, points um, on FanDuel. It's uh, yeah. I, I, I was a fish for not for not using him in my in my little kicker game that I have going with uh, with some of the RG guys. But that the, is correct. The, yeah. So you know, Goodwin. I mean, Goodwin is real. They turned him into a legit wide receiver one in that offense. It's amazing what they've done with a guy that's just supposed to be a straight line track star, and they've made him a ten a ten reception for a hundred and fourteen yard guy in a weekly basis. On and I don't see targets. I don't see where that's going to start or stop over the next couple of weeks. I just I think that train keeps rolling. Even if he's 7,000 this coming week, I think we have to think about him pretty seriously considering the volume he's getting. Yeah. I, uh, let's throw Casey out there. I know they were on the Saturday game, but ever since – we talked about this last week, but ever since Andy Reid gave up that play calling, things have been humming in KC. I think a lot of people expected the Chargers to go in and wreck shop, and it didn't happen, man. They got the whoop put on them, and Cream Hunt smashed again. This was his second game where he had 100-plus rushing yards and a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown, 200-plus total yards. I mean, Kareem Hunt, dude, it it, it, kind of reminds me of the Todd Gurley situation where he's a really talented back. When you're running a crap offense, he's not going to get too much. And when you're actually running a good offense, I mean, this is a guy, if he's got a little space, he can smash. So, I really like Casey's prospects moving forward. They've really showed a lot since they gave up the the play calling duties. Yeah, I mean the workload Hunt got this week was was just insane. I mean, twenty four rushing attempts. He had over seventy five percent of his team's rushing attempts with thirty percent target share. He had nine targets, you know, and all those were you know little dump offs. So he had a high reception rate on those. I mean, it was it was nuts. Yeah, cream yeah, the, the dream game plan, The game plan they ran makes a lot of sense if we consider the strengths of the Chargers defense. You know, they're going to cover your wide receivers and keep those guys pretty well locked up. Now, you know, Tyreek got loose, and Tyreek gets loose on pretty much everyone as long as they decide to throw the ball downfield. 
But the game, the game plan that, that Kansas City had to use Hunt so much, it makes a ton of sense. And we have to think about that going forward, considering who uh, the Chargers are going to play and think about, okay, is their offensive coordinator smart enough to realize that they need to operate their offense through the running back in order to score and move the ball downfield against the Chargers. And I, I'm not sure if we will see that. Um, it'll be nice if it does happen that way. It will give us somebody else that we can look at in our lineups every week, especially for cash. But, you know, whether Kansas City pulls this off over the next two weeks, I'm not really sure. It, they may decide to do something else with their offense. And um, I, I probably just got to study that pretty close this week and see how it works out. Well, they're, next week, week 16, they're at home against Miami. So, I, that's all the studying that I need to do. Yeah, Jam that's enough. It's, it's, we're going to smash Hunt. That's it. That's it. Smash Hunt, uh, depending on Goodwin, maybe some foals. I mean, you know. What are we going to do with Drake in that game? Lock. Uh, I mean, if Damian Williams is out, depending on his price, I, it, we could look at it right now, but I don't really feel like it. I, I assume he'll be up to like mid six. Probably 65. Yeah. I'm thinking 6,500. I think so. So that's that's the point where he's not an auto jam, but I still if he's at sixty five, he's probably still a pretty solid play. Yeah. So Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that. Yeah, any anything else for you, Josh, key takeaways? Uh no, I don't think so. It's again, we talked about it's just a kind of a bizarre week. Some things that we thought were going to happen just kind of short circuited really. One thing I think is gonna be interesting to watch though is um with with Antonio Brown missing effectively the next two games, do we expect Juju Smith-Schuster to draw Brown's volume? I think that's very possible. Yeah. He could be the double-digit target guy in that offense. I don't see them giving those targets to Bryant or Eli Rogers. Uh, is Darius Hayward-Bay going to get a slight uptick in volume? I don't think so. The guy kind of stinks. He got hurt, too. Um, yeah, and he got hurt, too. And I mean, Sammy's a stealer homer, so he would know better. But I don't yeah, think you're the honk, man. I don't Tell think, us, is it? I don't think Brian's role changes. I think it's all Juju. I think Brian's role is going to continue to be what he is. Um, you know, and uh, Juju is the one who's going to see those targets with Lev getting a little bit more um, specific game plan around him. But fully, overall, fully accurate. I, I believe that. And also, I mean, you have to look at their matchup next week. They're at Houston on Christmas Day. And Houston's got a really bad pass defense, so this is going to be a pretty good smash spot. But I think if you just want to play it safe, I think jamming in Lev Bell is the thing. They've shown that they're a little less pass-happy on the road. Uh, They showed today, obviously, the game script was in their favor, but when Antonio Brown went out, they especially made Juju, or uh, uh, Lev, the focal point of the game. I mean, he was getting the rock all the time. So I I think that Juju's a great play. Martavis is an okay play, but I think it's probably I'm just going to go Lev depending on the pricing here. So do we think there's a possibility next week in Houston that we get bad Ben Roethlisberger on the road in a, in a noon kick where he's oh, yeah. just not awake for the game yet? Oh, yeah. It could easily be. Yeah, hungover Ben, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's certainly. I mean, Ben's, Ben splits, and, you know, I, I've tried to – yeah, I'm trying to just like ignore these because I think there's a lot of noise in them, just in the sense that quarterbacks in general score more at home than they do on the road. You know, so is is Ben splits like that much worse as a base? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the what's this ben be where the rubber meets the beat. Yeah, what's was Ben that, without AB? Yeah, it, I mean Ben without AB scares me. Yeah, a lot. But he's still got Bell, and yeah. I think he has a reasonable replacement in, in Smith Schuster. He's not quite Antonio Brown God level, but I think he's, let's call him 
let's call him a demigod at this point. Cause I think Smith Schuster could do a lot of the things I think that Antonio Brown does on the field. He's a good route runner. I mean, granted, he's just a kid, right? He's, uh, he's, he's a baby still in his diapers like on the 20, football right? field, but he can ball. That kid yeah. can ball. And I think, I think he's going to be a reasonable facsimile of Antonio Brown for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they'll, they'll use Josh like Brown, is sitting over here with this thesaurus looking up these facsimile. What other words if you pulled out today? <laughs> menagerie. 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 <laughs> I have that written down. I'm going to use that in my column next week. That's 100% happening. Let's move a little bit and finish th- this thing out talking about the primetime slate. There's actually three games on the primetime slate on DraftKings this week, which is fun. We have Atlanta at Tampa Bay tonight. Uh, Atlanta's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, we have Indy at Baltimore. Baltimore's 13-point favorites. And then we have a kind of fun game, Minnesota at Green Bay. There's no line out yet on this game because I think that they're not sure if Aaron Rodgers will play. Because Green Bay, with the loss today, kind of – I mean, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if they for sure got eliminated, but I think they did. and is it reasonable for them to continue to play Aaron Rodgers if their playoff hopes are gone and his collarbone is only 80%? Why would you throw him back out there? So I, I, I think we should talk about it assuming Aaron Rodgers will play, but I think there's somewhat of a reasonable chance that he doesn't. And Minnesota also might not play some of their guys because Minnesota's locked it up. So um, I don't know. That, Mike Zimmer does not strike me as a coach that's going to pull his guys. I, I, I think he's going to play his guys regardless of what the record is. Even if they've got the number one seed locked up for some reason, I think he's still going to play his guys. Yeah, and that's he's the old thing. School, I, man. I, don't, I, I hate when teams start resting their guys in week 16 and then they have a bye. You know, it's like, okay, so they don't play 16, 17, we're the bye, and now they haven't played in like almost a month by the time the first game rolls if around. I'm a G, if I'm a GM, I'm ordering my coach to do that. I yeah. mean, you saw what happened with Antonio. Like, why would you – if you have that locked up, like, don't risk it. You know, if Diggs or Thielen or, you know, McKinnon goes out, I mean, your, play, your postseason hopes are done. Like, I don't know. I, I, if I'm a coach, I'm being sharp here. But um, well, here's, NFL is not sharp. So I mean, here's the thing, though. I, I, don't, I don't have all the tiebreakers in front of me. Philly's 12-2, and two, Minnesota's 11-3, and three, but then there's three 10-4 and four teams, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Rams. So – I mean, I don't think okay. the, the yeah, Vikings have. Yeah. I don't think they have a, a first round buy locked up by any stretch. In fact, just mathematically, they don't. With two games left and a one game lead, if they lost their last two games, so I, I think they'll play all their guys. Well, then let's just break it down with everybody playing. Um, quarterbacks interesting because I think you know, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that we would have gotten Case Keenum and Matt Ryan in the same price tag and I would be debating playing Case Keenum over Matt Ryan like oh Keenum, Keenum's, Keenum's a lock for me but like Keenum going up against Green Bay is like a lock but also like this is Matt Ryan going up against Tampa Bay like this is a great spot too it's a nice spot for both of them they're both at 6-3 I if like Ryan that. if Ryan was at home I'd like it a whole lot more but I, I mean, for Keenum yeah for sure I mean I, I'd still depending I mean obviously Green Bay can have really bad weather around Christmas time so We'll have to keep an eye on that, but I don't know, man. I like the kid Keenum. Like he just gets it done, and he just yeah. gets it done always. Yeah. So yeah, I, think I, the, I think my play. 
Yeah, for me, the tournament play here is Flacco at home against Indianapolis. Just a terrible pass defense. I mean, we saw Osweiler go out there and have a game against him on, on Monday night – or, sorry, on Thursday, Saturday, whatever the hell it was. Anyway, it was a bad game, and I watched it, and I feel ashamed of myself. But I think it's possible Flacco could go out there and have a game against Indianapolis this week. And at 5,300, if you're going to do some expensive things at wide receiver and running back, he kind of makes a little bit of sense as a – I don't want to say a punt play, but he's a guy that could get you, I think, 250 yards and two touchdowns, and you'd take that at 5,300, I think. For sure. For you sure. Nobody's and playing Brissett, though. Like, none of us are going to play Brissett, not even in a tournament, right? You can't no. do it. A hundred percent not. I mean, I don't even care that you mispronounce his name. He's so bad, he doesn't deserve correct pronunciation. So, Brissett it is. Well, I should have called him Brisket, right? Yeah. Because yeah. he's Brissett. <laughs> All right, so quarterback, I like Keenum. Uh, Nate, you like Keenum too? Yeah, I, I, it's either Keenum or Ryan for me. I think Ryan should be in play for tournaments. Okay, let's move over what, to Ryan. So, Go ahead. Real quick, though, what, I mean, we've got Winston sitting there right in front of us. We haven't talked about him yet. He is playing at home. It's a divisional game. We've seen him light up Atlanta before, but we think Tampa Bay is pretty toxic right now, right? Yeah. Not just Tampa Bay. I don't think he's healthy. Like, I mean, even though he came back – like. There's just something wrong with Winston. I'm I'm not playing him. I've I've fallen in that trap too many times this season. Yeah, Tampa definitely toxic. Like not quite Bengals level toxic, but, but they're getting there. They're they're a little septic for sure. All right, so, so we're gonna go ahead and lock in Winston for three fifty and three this week because we all hate him. Hashtag facts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, running back position, I think that Devonta Freeman is obviously a lock um, yeah. with with Tevin Coleman out at 6.2 against Tampa. And I believe uh, that Tampa is going to have one of their linebackers out uh, as well. I think Levante David is not going to play in this game. And Levante David is probably their best linebacker. Him and Quan Alexander are both good, but I think David's real good and I don't think he's playing. So do we think that do we think we that Devonta Freeman gets an uptick on his volume with Coleman out, or do we think that's just something that Teron Ward comes in and sucks up that same Tevin Coleman role, and we really don't see much volume change for Cole, for Freeman? I think it's about half, right? I think it's about a halfway meet in terms of I don't think Freeman's going to get all of the missing volume from Coleman. I think Ward will get some, but remember a couple weeks ago when Freeman was out and Ward had a really critical fumble. That's one of those things that coaches look at and they're like, ah, I don't really trust this fool like as much as I should. So I could easily see him getting five, six carries, a target or two, but I think that they're going to lean on Freeman here a little more than they would. So I'd say, you know, a, a slight uptick for Freeman's volume. Yeah, I'd agree. So I also really like, uh, I also really like McKinnon in this spot, you know, going up against Green Bay. They've shown that they are really, really rough at at, uh, stopping passing passing backs. And so I think McKinnon should be in a – would be in a smash spot here. Yeah, 100% agree. And I like Aaron Jones for a lot of the same reasons in that I think if we think Green Bay is going to be behind just like they were today, I think it's going to be Jones more than Williams getting the the volume there. Yeah, and I mean, Williams has had such a good run, but – I think it's just so obvious. I'm not like a, a pro scout or anything, but it's so obvious that Jones is better than Williams. It just is. And in some critical drives, they put in Jones, and then they obviously put him in when they were behind. The thing about Jones is he's not as nearly good, as good of a pass protector. Like, he gets blown up in pass protection. And that's one thing you do have to worry about against Minnesota 
They have uh, Daniil Hunter and uh, God, who's the other guy? Their their other end that's super good. His name's escaping me. But bottom line, their two defensive ends are both super good. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that affects Jones. But I completely agree that he's like a really strong tournament play here for sure. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. Go ahead, Sammy. I was just going to say, any love for Alex Collins here for you, Nate? Yeah, I think Alex Collins is definitely in play. I just think I I still get scared of Alex Collins. I think we look at him like a Kenyon Drake type guy, but he's not. He's in a he's in a three back three back situation where Javorius takes work from him and Danny Woodhead will still get some passing work. So um I mean I like him, but let's I don't want to go crazy with him. Yeah. For for me it's Freeman and I think the 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 pivot's Aaron Jones. And I feel really good about that if you're like yeah. You know, if you're just going GPP status, I think Collins is in a great spot. I, I think Indy's kind of shutting it down. They're, I mean, they gave up 158 to C.J. Anderson. C.J. Yeah, Anderson. They never really had it going in the first place. That, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty true. Uh, any love for a guy like Frank Gore here? Frank Gore is exceedingly cheap, and he's in an awful, awful spot. Would either of you guys consider him in tournaments? I'd consider Mac over him. Okay. Yeah, I, feel I like, don't want any. I don't want any part of the indie running game against Baltimore. Zero. Yeah, I feel like I've considered Mac like several times this season, and just say, "Oh, you know, this is this is a great spot for Mac," and it just never happens for him. He just never does anything. They don't give him the volume. They don't give him any work. Yeah. I mean, we thought he was going to get the work against Denver, and he didn't. They still gave it to Gore. So it's they're committed to Gore. They're going to ride that guy to the grave. Yeah. I just think as the season goes on, he's like, he's got to start getting some wear and tear. I mean, he's had some crazy amount of volume. So I, I just think any day now we're going to see Mac have a, a game where he just gets, he, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Well, we'll see. Uh, any other running back plays? Would you guys potentially think about Javoris Allen over Collins as a, as a tournament pivot? Absolutely. I can see that. I mean, Javorius has a bunch of talent. We've seen what Javorius does when he gets the, uh, when he gets the volume. So uh, I'm always about that. All right, so let's shift to receiver. Receiver's a really fun position on this slate. Really fun because there's a lot of expensive guys and a lot of really good players. you got Julio at Tampa Bay. Uh, seems like a smash spot. Obviously, he had that game against Tampa earlier uh, in the season not too long ago that was fantastic. We have Phelan against that Green Bay secondary. Same with Diggs. We finally saw the return of Diggs this week. Even though he didn't, like, smash, he had a nice touchdown. Uh, Evans, Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, you know, that's it's probably highly questionable that he plays uh, on kind of a, a short turnaround. But then you have guys like Sanu, Randall Cobb. I mean, uh, Josh, talk to me a little bit about who your main targets are here. Or I mean, I think for me, for me, I think Julio's obviously, you know, going to be the, the chalkiest guy. And I think I, I would start my lineups with Julio. And like you said, it's a fun slate. Um, I think if I was to go down from Julio, you know, a couple of the other guys I really like, I think Thielen's going to be um, going to smash here. And then my other guy I'd like in the same game is Cobb. Because I think we can plan on Devontae being out with the concussion. It being a short week, um, I think, you know, Cobb's going to get – a ton of a ton of work here, especially if they get behind. I think Cobb can see a bunch of different targets here, and he won't have to deal with the you know um, the the road shadow that I think that we're going to see from for Jordy. So 
yeah, I think um, I think Cobb, Thielen, Julio are some of the guys I'd be paying up for. But overall, I think it's a it's a really fun wide receiver slate. It is, and you can get obviously on a three game slate. You're going to do some things if you want to take down a GPP that are really non standard. I, I certainly think that you could do something like go with uh, Sanu over Julio Jones. We've seen those guys get not even that disparate of a, of a target volume, right? So yeah. we've seen that, you know, maybe Sanu can, can toss another touchdown, keep that perfect record going. I don't know. Uh, you brought up Randall Cobb. We saw him score yesterday. And I think that when Green Bay gets behind, we've seen a lot that they do these little quick, like just quick smoke screen passes a lot from Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers maybe little RPOs where it's just, you know, quick out to the, the slot receiver. Uh, yeah, I mean, he saw 15 targets this week. You know, he yeah. saw 15 targets. He saw 15 targets? Holy cow. But part 14, of that's got to be with that going out, right? Yeah, it was 14. But Adams should be out again if it's a short week with the concussion. It's hard to get back by Saturday. Yeah, um, and that's, and that's the other 14 thing. Targets, my bad. That, that's the other thing. I think that if he's out, we need to look at Geronimo Allison as well. We saw Allison get eight targets in his stead. He bonered it a bunch. He had that critical fumble at the end. They were not on the same page, him and Rodgers, in several spots. I mean, he's just does really bad things. But he got eight targets in, you know, a half of football. And so if you project a lot of volume, I think that's probably the guy not a lot of people will play but could potentially have some, some pretty decent target volume in this game. Definitely. Um, what about for you, Josh, who are kind of some of the main targets at receiver, the guy you're, the guys you're making a priority on the slate? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think I'm probably going to be looking at both the Minnesota guys, Thielen and Diggs, you know, Diggs finally got in the box today. It was good to see that. Uh, it's going to be really hard for me to turn away from T Y Hilton in tournaments. We know that, yeah, I mean, Baltimore's gotten busted up on the back end pretty good. And T Y is a guy that could probably get loose if they could just give, you know, Brissett. Now, see, I can say his name right now, Brissett. No, I like it. I like it the other way. He has not. Like Brissett. He doesn't earn it. <laughs> the fish pronunciation, Brissett. So, if if he can get, you know, like let's say three seconds to throw the ball before somebody's on top of him, then I think Ty can get loose for a long touchdown. Again, that's. I think it's just a really low percentage tournament play. I, I like the call on Cobb. I think that's a pretty good idea this week. Um, maybe as a little bit of a proxy for the run game that they might run with Aaron Jones. I think it, you know, Cobb's a decent pivot off of the run game for Green Bay if they decide to go that direction. Um, it, maybe another top play, golly, I'm trying to look down at the cheap guys to see if there's anybody that sticks out. You mentioned Geronimo Allison. I think he's worth a shot in some situations. Otherwise, maybe Deshaun Jackson, maybe Deshaun Jackson. But otherwise, I'm probably, I'm probably locked into to the guys I just talked about. Man, I'm done with Deshaun Jackson. That freaking scrub. So many times I've been like, okay, this is a great spot. Like when Mike Evans is locked up by a by a strong corner and he's going to get shadowed. And I'm like, dude, single coverage for Deshaun Jackson. He's going to get loose for one sometime. And he just – it just hasn't happened. Like this is just – and I had him in a bunch of best ball too. He was, he was like – you know, not one of my main guys, but every time he was there, like right around that seventh round, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Deshaun Jackson. Like he's going to have three or four games where he just smashes, but he has not. So to be uh, fair, though, Jameis has dealt with that shoulder issue all year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think 
you know, if he sticks next I think next year you can see that connection light up. Yeah, yeah. Once they get a decent offensive guy in there instead of Dirk Cutter, who is an yeah, absolute bozo. Yeah. So let's let's move over to tight end unless you guys have any other wide receivers you'd like to mention here. Okay. Uh, tight ends. I mean, the main tight ends here, obviously with three games, there's going to be more available. You have Rudolph, Doyle, Brait, O.J. Howard, Ben Watson, who goaded on Sunday, finally, when Davis Maddock did not have him in cash games. We got Hooper. Uh, Nate, I, I know the guy that you like uh, is going to be Doyle. Uh, wax poetic about Doyle for a quick second here. Yeah, I mean, I like Doyle a lot, but I also really like Rudolph in this spot. You know, I mean, Green Bay is just – you know you want to pick on pick on their secondary. I think both Rudolph and Doyle will be the two that I'd be looking at the most. Um, you know, I, there's not much to say about Doyle. Everybody knows my feelings on him, so. Uh, what about for you, Josh? Who do you like here? Yeah, I don't mind Doyle just because he's a target monster. Rudolph, he's – you know, I, I think we all agree he's pretty much just a really awesome floor play every week. He's going to get five catches for 30-something yards and hopefully get in the box. I'm interested in OJ Howard this week. Yes. I'm I'm kind of done with Cameron Braid. I think he I think the offense is kind of done with him. It seems that way that they've just trended over to Howard as the tight end in the offense, at least from a receiving sense. So I would be more than willing to look at him for for three K. He I think he offers a lot of flexibility. Austin Hooper, I have zero interest in him. He's just not getting the target volume. They don't throw him the ball, which is really strange considering that they really don't have a lot my opinion, they don't have a lot of receiving firepower around him outside of Julio Jones and Sanu. You know, they don't use Gabriel the way that he was used last year. And they're really just not giving Hooper the volume. So I really don't have any interest in him. I will. I, I really like Howard. You were talking about break getting phased out. He was down to like 40% snaps uh, last week. We saw Howard go, I think he was four for 54 in a touchdown on six targets. I think he's probably the cheap guy that I'm going to go after here to get off of the chalk uh, to differentiate a tight end. It's just a variable position in general, but I think I'll be overweight on Howard for sure. Uh, last position, defense special teams. I think Baltimore is the nuts. So, Nate, give me one defense that you will use besides the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, that's a good, the one thing I will say about Baltimore is I think you know, this week, a lot of the narrative was, oh, Jimmy Smith's gone, so they're dead. They've fallen apart, which I just didn't buy. So I think Baltimore is definitely obviously going to be in play versus Brissett. Um, but, I mean, if I had to take somebody, I think uh, Atlanta would be a, the defense that I would look at outside of them just because I, I don't trust what's going on with Jameis' shoulder. You know, he's avoiding answering questions about it. I think Jameis loves to make mistakes, and I think Atlanta can capitalize on that. What about for you, Josh? Yeah, I agree with the Falcons play. I think that's the right play to make this week, just based on all the factors that Nate mentioned. I do like the Vikings quite a bit, but I think the Vikings are going to be the chalk based on how badly, how, how much they smashed yesterday. And if we think that Green Bay is going to be putting Hundley back in, then to me, the Vikings are, I think they're a lock. Oh, yeah. They're if, on the road. I think yeah, they're a lock. If Hundley's in for sure. If Hundley's in for sure against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we saw Rodgers. I mean, he was pretty uneven in this game. He threw three picks. Um, he was just out of sync. And you expect this with a, you know, whatever, seven-week layoff, what have you. Um, you know, I, I just I just don't know that I could use them against Rodgers at home. 
uh, with, with another week of preparation. Remember last week, uh, our, our like big call right at the end was, Hey, if you want to smash on the slate and do something super contrarian, take the Miami dolphins against the, against new England. And that ended that up was all Josh. Well, not all, Josh. I mean, that was that was also like it was a team effort. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Nate. <laughs> but we, we stopped just short of calling the Dolphins onslaught. That's right. I I think I said the words Dolphins onslaught, and I will bet Bitcoin that I actually said it. So, but we're fish. I, that's our job. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to go back to the fish well, and I'm going to say that if you want to attack this slate in a really contrarian way, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. That's that's my should agree with that. I, I don't think I'd go to Indianapolis, but I would say, hey, do Tampa Bay get their defense in Howard, maybe some Evans, something like that, and say that they smash and stay off of Atlanta. And I think that's the contrarian way that has a somewhat, you know, reasonable chance of happening. So yeah, I agree with that. I think I think the Tampa defense they they I think they have an opportunity to turn the ball over quite a bit. We saw them do that with Stafford last week where they suckered him in some really dumb throws, just really basic cover two looks as well. And I think we've seen Matt Ryan make some dumb throws into some into some looks where he's been suckered. And I think they could do the same thing this week, um, Tampa Bay that is. So I, I really don't mind that play at all. I think that's a good team to onslaught this week if you want to go really against the green. Well, gentlemen, next week is week 16, the the seasonal fantasy finals. I'm not sure what our schedule will be. Obviously, next Monday is Christmas. So we'll, we'll discuss and, and figure out uh, with, with corporate uh, what, the, what the podcast schedule is going to be. But I would highly doubt that anyone's going to be listening to this podcast on Christmas morning. So we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll send the news out on Twitter. But if I don't talk to you guys, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and I hope the slate goes better for you next week than it did for us today. Uh, Merry Christmas to, to all you guys listening. We really appreciate, you know, you guys having so much fun with us on the pod, you know, just being with us to tilt and make fun of each other all season. Uh, for Nate, you can find him on Twitter at Nate Noling, Josh on Twitter at fantasy ADHD, myself, Sammy Reed on Twitter at Sammy Reed FI. Have a very Merry Christmas and hopefully we will talk to you soon.